Hello, and welcome back to Mrs. Mann's Nutrition Podcast. This week, we will be focusing on Chapter 13 in our nutrition textbook, and this chapter talks about healthy weight management. What is weight management? Weight management refers to attaining a healthy weight and keeping it throughout your lifespan. Reaching a healthy body weight and composition and maintaining it throughout life are important wellness goals. Having a healthy weight can improve your total sense of well-being and reduce your risk to many diseases. Not everyone who is overweight has excess body fat. Body fat management is where we need to concentrate. Overweight can also be due to muscle development. Athletes often have high body weights for their heights. This is due to muscle, not fat. This type of excess weight is not a health problem. When we talk about weight management, we're really looking at how your body is functioning at the weight you're at. We're looking at the body's composition, where the fat stores are located, how much or how much of a percentage of your body is fat in uh, comparison to muscle. Um, And when we look at this, we're looking at not the ability to lose or gain weight. We're really looking at how your body is maintaining its own health at the weight you're sitting at. We can look at um, body fat management Problems associated with overweight and obesity arise when weight is due to excess fat rather than excess muscle. So this is when you might have a body weight management problem, when you're having too much fat in return, not enough muscle. Problems associated with being underweight are often overlooked. So we have the obesity epidemic that is out there and um, they're trying to do things um, through the government and different um programs to help make us aware that, you know, we aren't eating healthy and we need to look at how to get healthier, but there's also problems with being underweight. In the U.S., the number of people who are underweight is actually much smaller than the numbers of those who are overweight, which is why our main focus tends to be on those who are struggling with obesity or being overweight. However, both of these groups, underweight and overweight, um, are at an increased risk for health problems. So it is a known issue. Um, But when we look at weight management, we're trying to maintain. We're managing the ability to maintain our weight status. If we're at an unhealthy range of being obese or an unhealthy range of being underweight, then we want to look at how we can manage our eating habits and our exercise habits to bring us up to the optimal weight for our own body. Because there is no one size fits all body type weight measurement. So there are some health risks that go along with obesity. Some of those include heart disease, type 2 diabetes, cancers, um, specifically endometrial cancer, breast cancer, or colon cancer, hypertension, which is also known as high blood pressure, high total cholesterol or high levels of triglycerides, stroke, liver and gallbladder disease, respiratory problems, osteoarthritis, which is a degeneration of cartilage and its underlying bone um, within a joint. Gynecological problems, you could have an abnormal menses, which is an abnormal um, period, or also struggle with infertility. You might also experience complications during surgery or pregnancy, 
or you might be exposed to social and emotional health risks and problems as well. You know, there's a lot of negativity surrounded with um, body weight and we're seeing more and more ad campaigns and people out there promoting body positivity, but there is still a very negative connotation around those um, who struggle with body uh, weight, which causes them to struggle with body image and self um, being self-conscious. There are some health risks as well as being over, um, underweight. There are lack of nutrient stores when your fat stores are needed, such as during pregnancy or after surgery, underweight individuals may have more complications. They might also have feelings of being fatigued and they might struggle to stay warm. And oftentimes the menstruation cycle in women may stop. So what factors affect your own weight status? Weight status refers not only to how much you weigh, but also your ability to gain and lose weight. Weight status is different than weight management. Weight status is looking at the combination of your heredity, your eating habits, and your activity level. So when we look at heredity heredity factors, heredity deals with your inherited traits, including your basal metabolic rate, or your BMR, Genes will help determine your body shape, size of your bones, and the location of fat stores in your body. So looking at your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, you all are coming from different physical makeups, but you all share inherited genes that are alike. So a lot of times you might see noticeable similarities between family members. Regardless of all these different factors based on your heredity and what your heredity um, gives you as far as traits, a healthy body weight can be found in a variety of different shapes and sizes. Again, this is not a one-size-fits-all. This is not somebody telling you if you're a female and you are 5'7", you should weigh a a maximum of 120 pounds. Well, that's probably not correct. Um, In fact, it's probably more on the side of being underweight. So you do need to keep in mind that every person is different and every body is different. Your hormones also um, can influence your appetite regulation and energy expenditure, so how much energy you can output. And these two hormones that are um, in the body are known as leptin and ghrelin. Some research does indicate that certain genes may be linked to obesity, um, and those genes are linked to the hormones, specifically leptin and ghrelin. Leptin, um, the hormone, is produced by your body fat cells, and as the number of fat cells in the body increase, there's more leptin uh, produced. The circulating leptin will actually uh, enter the brain and trigger a reduction of appetite. Individuals who are struggling with obesity can become resistant to the hormone leptin, so their brain doesn't realize that they're no longer hungry. Ghrelin is a hormone produced in the stomach. And those who are overweight produce higher levels of ghrelin. And this is the hormone that helps to stimulate appetite as well as encourages fat production and body growth. So during periods of fasting, say when you aren't eating from dinner time till morning time again, um, ghrelin is produced and that's what causes hunger. I remember ghrelin because I think of my stomach growling. Um, So it's the hormone that makes you feel like you're hungry. For individuals with a healthy weight, ghrelin will actually stabilize your body weight because it's going to tell you that you're hungry, 
you'll feed, you'll eat, and it'll kind of feed that need of ghrelin telling you you're hungry, and then that leptin that's produced in the uh, brain will tell you, okay, you fed yourself, and now you're full. You don't need any more. But we can see that there are some people who struggle with these two hormones, and ghrelin becomes overproduced, and leptin is not produced enough, and the body becomes more resistant to the ability to say, okay, turn off, we're no longer hungry, but there's more and more ghrelin produced, which is telling you, eat, 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 I'm not full yet, I haven't reached satiety, I'm still hungry. When we talk about weight management, we also look at our eating habits, so why we eat. We all know a habit is just a routine behavior, and it's often difficult to break. Habits will begin forming pretty much from the day you're born based on your family's um, daily routines and different things that they do. Um, They form very early in life. Eating habits of children typically are based largely on the foods that the parents or caregivers offer them. So when you were younger, you, you know, you can't cook for yourself when you're three or four years old. You could help, but you can't cook for yourself. So whatever your parents are making is more than likely what you'll end up eating. And you tend to develop patterns in the kinds of the foods you eat, as well as the amounts of foods that you eat. And they form habits related to when and why they eat, too. So, you know, um, maybe at a young age when they got home from daycare or got home from a caregiver's house and they came home and um, a parent or a caregiver gave them a snack, that could start forming a habit that whenever you come home after school, you want a snack. You don't realize why. You might have ate. 10, 15, 20 minutes, even an hour or two before, and you're probably not hungry, but it's become a habit that tells you, oh, when I get in the door, I'm going to eat. So how do our habits change? So think about you as a child, a younger child in elementary or even intermediate school, and as you've grown um, into adolescence here, and you're more at the level of middle and high school, you're more independent, and you can make more choices on your own. If you even think about The lunch menus. When you were younger, you didn't have all the choices that you do now in the cafeteria. So some of your eating habits are likely to change. As a teen, you begin to have more control, like I mentioned. Um, And your busy schedule will also play a role in your habits um, to eating. So if you're somebody who's very involved in different activities and clubs, you might be eating more on the go. Just as someone who's um, driving and commuting a lot to work, they often will eat more on the go or through drive throughs rather than having a big sit-down meal just because the lack of time. Your habits might also change or be influenced by your peers. Um, maybe you have a family friend who makes this certain meal and you never tried it before, but this is now your friend and you've now tried something new. They might influence you to try new things. Uh, as well as weight concerns um, often in- influence your weight, uh, your food choices. So if you're somebody who is um, conscious and realizing different things maybe for sports or you're really training um, in your athletics to reach a certain peak performance but it also is contributed to weight that may also form a habit or influence your food choices. Your eating habits will continue to change through adulthood um, when you look at different jobs and careers that you take on, family obligations, they all will impact um, your food choices and eating behaviors people you surround yourself will change those habits. 
Another thing we talk about with weight management is environmental cues. An environmental cue is an event or situation that will trigger you to eat. Oftentimes, it deals with the sight, taste, or smell of foods um, that will stimulate eating. The time of day, as well as social settings, can also be environmental cues. Being aware of when and why you eat is very important, and this will help you realize when you are responding to environmental cue rather than hunger. So I always use the example of like if you were at a like a ballpark, a baseball park, and they had somebody coming around with popcorn or hot dogs and they were like yelling about it in the stands as they walk up and down with the concessions, that's one of those environmental cues. You're hearing about it, you smell it, um, you think about when you walk into a movie theater and you smell the buttery popcorn and you hear it popping. That's an environmental cue. It doesn't matter if you just went and had food before you went to a movie. It doesn't matter if you ate lunch and then you went to the ballpark. Like You're seeing and being surrounded by these environmental cues. Another environmental cue happens to be um, the 500 hallway at school. You know, we have the foods classes down there and you're walking past the commons and the cafeteria to get to us. So you're walking past and smelling those different scents of food. And as you walk through, you're influenced by all these environmental cues. And oftentimes I have many students who come in and they're like, oh, I'm hungry. But they, they just came from lunch. They might just be hungry because now they're smelling something different that smells appetizing that's creating that environmental cue. Another thing that influences your weight management is psychological factors. Eating habits are sometimes responses to different psychological factors, such as boredom, depression, tension, fear, and loneliness. This may lead to erratic eating behaviors. Some people respond to feelings of boredom, depression, tension, fear, and loneliness, as well as others by overeating, while others respond to these feelings by failing to eat and kind of restricting their eating habits. Having a good nutrition background and understanding can also, in turn, help you to maintain good health, which is an important tool in handling these emotional challenges. If you can recognize why you're eating rather than just eating absentmindedly, um, it helps you to kind of focus on, you know, am I actually hungry or is it that I feel lonely? Am I actually hungry or is it that I'm mindlessly mindlessly eating because I saw a commercial on TV for food and now I'm hungry, but I'm not really because that's just an environmental cue when I saw the image pop up on the screen. Our next factor in weight management happens to deal with your activity level. Physical activity level affects weight status by influencing the calories outside of the energy balance equation. If you burn the same number of calories you consume, you will maintain your present weight. So whatever activity you do and perform and you're excreting that many burned calories, you should be consuming the same amount of calories in your daily um, diet. That way you're maintaining that caloric balance. If you burn fewer calories than you consume, typically you will gain weight. And if you burn more calories than you consume, you will typically lose weight. So how do we go about losing excess body fat? Well, one pound of body fat stores roughly about 3,500 calories of energy. So to lose one pound of body fat, um, a person must create an energy deficit of 3,500 calories. Well, that's not even a normal amount of calories to eat in one day. So it's not possible to be really dropping massive pounds in a day, in two days, in a week. 
Studies show maintaining weight loss is easier for anyone who will spread that calorie deficit over one to two weeks. This meaning that they create a calorie deficit of about 500 um, all the way down to 250 calories a day. It's not meant to be something that you do quickly and fast. Weight loss and getting back to a weight management um, state that is healthy for your body should not be a miracle pill or drug or exercise routine that happens in a matter of a few days. Um, You can create a calorie deficit by just reducing your calorie intake or by increasing your calorie needs. So you could just say, okay, I'm going to cut back on how much I'm eating. Maybe you've been overeating or maybe it's that you need to start exercising more or it could be a joint combination of both of those. There are a lot of unsafe weight loss practices out there. They include fad diets, um, which are plans that are popular for a short amount of time. Um, There's a lot out there. There's also pills or body wraps, gels, and other weight loss gimmicks um, widely available. There's something known as a crash diet. Um, Weight loss diets that provide fewer than 1,200 calories um, per day, which these diets are lacking in essential nutrients. And it's almost like a form of fasting. And you're refraining from consuming most or all sources of calories. You can't just drop your caloric intake that low in one day. You're not going to be able to maintain that. It'll do damage to your body. You may suffer from passing out or lightheadedness. And another final unsafe weight loss practice happens to be weight cycling, or also known as yo-yo dieting. It's where people get stuck in this pattern of repeatedly losing weight and gaining weight over time. So they might go on a diet where they cut out carbs, where they cut out um, sugars, and they'll cut it out, you know, okay, for four weeks, or six weeks, or eight weeks, I'm just going to restrict, restrict, restrict on certain calories, or certain Um, types of food and then you know they've reached that goal okay I lost five pounds or I lost 10 pounds and now you're you're gonna go back to the way you are normally eating when you're looking at setting up a diet that is forever a diet where you eat not a diet to lose weight a diet that will help you succeed in um, eating and um, consuming positive nutrients that you need every day that's what we're looking at that's the goal you want a diet that you can sustain long term not a diet that's going to cut things out not a diet that's um, restricting certain things not a diet that's you know only a few weeks long because as soon as you go back to eating the way you used to because that's what happens for most of us you're going to gain that weight back and sometimes you gain it back quicker or sometimes you gain it back double the amount that you lost So there are some safe fat loss guidelines. A healthy weight loss plan should provide all the nutrients your body needs, and we've learned about all six essential nutrients at this point, your carbs, your fats, proteins, vitamins, minerals, and water. It should be as close to your normal tastes and habits as possible. If you really enjoy, um, say, pasta or bread or any of those carbohydrates, you shouldn't be cutting them out. You should still be able to eat them to maintain what you enjoy. You shouldn't have to feel like this is such a negative thing, the foods I'm eating. You don't want to like get angry at the process. Um, You also want to make sure that your weight loss plan includes keeping you from being hungry or unusually tired. If you're hungry throughout the day, then you cut out way too many calories. 
or if you're feeling really tired, you're not getting enough nutrients. The weight loss plan should also allow you to eat away from home without feeling like a social outcast, meaning you were at a picnic, you went out to a restaurant, whatever it might be, and now you look at a menu or you look what's there and you say, I can't eat any of this. You should be able to eat it. You should be able to enjoy it. You shouldn't feel like it's a negative thing when you go out that you have to bring your own food. You shouldn't have to bring your own food. You should be able to go and enjoy what is there. And it should also offer you a change in eating habits that you can follow again for the rest of your life. You shouldn't have to, you know, keep changing up diets and trying out something different. You should be able to eat like this and then eat like it for the whole remainder of your life because after you lose weight, it should be at the point that you're then maintaining your weight status. Additional tips for safe weight loss include careful food choices, looking and monitoring your level of physical activity, and you also want to avoid eating large amounts of food at any one time. Make, a brec- make breakfast a habit. You don't want to be skipping meals. They say to avoid eating after 7 p.m. in your textbook, um, but that's dependent upon what time you go to bed. You roughly want to give yourself about two hours after eating before you go to sleep for the fact that your body needs time to start working on digesting that food. You don't want to eat and go right to bed. I know that's not possible for a lot of us. It's not possible for myself just because of the fact that my schedule gets in the way of that. We talked earlier about commuting and driving and work and things like that. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it is, but it's just a general guideline and tip. Another tip is to eat slowly rather than feeling like you're rushing and eating your food as quick as possible because you only have a short amount of time. You should drink more water. Um, That will help you feel fuller for longer rather than consuming um, empty calories. Try to avoid second helpings. Make sure you're uh, monitoring your portion control and how much you're eating. And avoid weighing yourself more than once or twice a week. Uh, Weighing yourself daily can be very deflating. More so because of the fact that your body is constantly fluctuating in weight. You could be two pounds more today than you are tomorrow. You could be four pounds less today than you were two days ago. It's constantly changing. It deals with how... um, how much food you intook, how much you excreted, how much water you drank. It's a constant changing. And it's okay that it's changing all the time. It should be fluctuating. Now, on the other hand, we look at gaining weight. So gaining weight means consuming more calories than the body actually expends. The goal is to gain lean body mass, um, not simply just fat tissue. You don't want to just pack on tons of fatty foods because you want to gain weight. You want to look at building your muscle tone and your muscles themselves to put on more weight. To build your lean uh, body mass, exercise is absolutely necessary. It's necessary in everyone's life, but if you're looking specifically to build your lean body mass, it's absolutely 100% needed. People trying to gain weight should consume 500 extra calories per day to gain an extra pound of body week per week. Um, Now, with that 500 extra calories, again, they shouldn't be empty calories. We shouldn't just like, oh, well, I need 500 extra calories today, so I'm going to drink a soda. That's empty calories. It's wasted calories. Try eating more nutritious, more calorie-dense foods that will help promote that weight gain. Other tips include choosing calorie-dense foods, like I mentioned, um, containing healthier fats. Try eating bigger or more frequent meals. So rather than, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, try breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks in between breakfast and lunch and one between um, uh, lunch and dinner. 
And then you can also limit bulky, low-calorie foods, like I mentioned. Avoid drinking extra fluids before eating or during your meal. So oftentimes for losing weight, we say drink water um, as you're eating and drink water before you eat so that you feel a little bit fuller, where with gaining weight, you want to avoid drinking excess amounts of water before you eat and while you're eating. Clearly, we still want to maintain our hydration and getting the correct amount of um liquid per day, but you want to make sure that you're not over drinking. And then of course, get adequate amounts of rest for both gaining and losing weight. That brings us to the end of my brief notes on our chapter 13 weight management information. If you need further clarification on these topics, please refer to chapter 13 in your textbook, or if you have any further questions, please reach out to me via email. Hope you have a great week. See you later.